0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now here's your host, Mark Graben.
1: Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 128 of the podcast for August 24th, 2011. Got a different kind of podcast for you today. Normally I enjoy playing the role of host and interviewer. But today, we're turning the tables. We're using some audio, with permission, from our good friends at Quality Digest, from a a video broadcast, a a program called Quality Digest Live, where I was the guest about two weeks back. where They were interviewing me about lean healthcare. Um, So here, you'll hear uh, their editor-in-chief and host, Dirk Ducharme, along with co-host Ryan Day. Um, talking to me so i hope you enjoy the, the change of pace come back the next couple of weeks we'll have our usual mix of guests as we always do for all episodes go to leanpodcast.org uh, we're going to move on to
0: quality in healthcare, and with us today we have uh mark graben via, via skype if i can get my uh, skype window up here and uh hold on one second. there we go mark do we have you I think so. Hi, Dirk. Awesome. Um, Mark Graveman is the author of uh, Shingo award-winning book, Lean Hospitals, and uh, he's agreed to join us here today on the show to talk about quality in healthcare and what is going on with healthcare quality today, uh, and how quality consultants and quality uh, professionals such as Mark, uh, what they're doing behind the scenes in healthcare to make the process work uh, better. Uh, not only, uh, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong. This isn't not only administratively, but also um, the actual uh, patient care itself. Is that right?
1: yeah that's true um, lean uh, as an improvement methodology uh, is being embraced by people in administrative departments I mean a lot of times people might think it looking at um, materials management within a hospital applying lean methods there um, a lot of hospitals started off um, looking at their revenue management cycle and saying if we can uh, send billing out in a less batchy way we get paid faster that's worth a lot of money to the hospital but you also see uh, a lot of improvement. In clinical areas, um, I think lean started to take root in healthcare and hospital laboratories, which, to some you know, from some people's perspective, is sort of like a factory. Um, and then it spread to areas of direct patient care, um, improving processes in emergency rooms and in ICUs, and, and having impact on uh, things like waiting time and also um, preventing infections and reducing mortality.
0: Now, in your in, in a recent article that you uh, that you wrote, um, putting the continuous putting the continuous back into healthcare improvement that you wrote with uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Gregory Jacobson, and by doctor we actually mean medical doctor. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you covered in that story. You were talking about the use of uh, kaizen and uh, kaikaku, I believe?
1: Right. So, um, as, as, as if the word kaizen wasn't intimidating enough to some people, we throw another word in there sometimes, kaikaku. Be um, quality consultants. Word, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, continuous improvement. Kaizen is the word that means continuous improvement in, in, in most translations. Kaikaku is a word that means radical improvement. And um, what, what Greg, what, what Dr. Jacobson and I wrote about, he's an emergency room physician, um, where they were practicing Kaizen, uh, where he worked um, at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Um, you know, small, daily, low risk, low cost, local improvements. Um, these were not. Um, week-long events, and and a lot of organizations will call these rapid improvement events, which I think is actually uh, a fairly um, apt and descriptive term. Uh, In a lot of places back in manufacturing, these are called Kaizen events, which is, as we've discussed, it's kind of an oxymoron. It's an episodic improvement project with the start and end point. It's really not at all continuous, and and so we were writing about um, not that events are bad, but let's keep them in perspective, and let's make sure that Um, we're not only trying to do projects and events, that we also have continuous improvement going on on a a daily basis.
0: Well, I I suppose there's kind of good news, bad news. I mean, I I, I suppose the, the, the good news is that healthcare organizations, hospitals and whatnot are actually trying to embrace... These quality techniques, quality methodologies that have been around actually for quite a while, and that we're most familiar with in manufacturing. I guess the the, the downside of it is there's still a lot to learn in terms of of how to use them properly within that environment.
1: I, I think that's I think that's fair to say. Um, healthcare has gone through its waves of improvement programs, as other industries have. Um, TQM. Uh, was quite popular and it was often quite a big failure uh, in healthcare. People were frustrated that um, TQM didn't really have the the transformational kind of impact you might have hoped. Um, I'm I'm a, a big fan. Even before I learned about Lean, I, I learned about Dr. Deming's philosophies. People in healthcare know who Dr. Deming is and they know his teachings. It just wasn't really. It's it, it just it didn't take root, and that's not Dr. Deming's fault. I think there's leadership issues there. Hospitals have tried Six Sigma. And I think the thing that's different with Lean, um, some of the, the leading hospitals out there are, are really embracing Lean as a management system, as a daily culture from the CEO down to frontline managers, engaging everybody in uh, in improvement. Um, I, I think that's the difference with Lean is that it provides a little bit more of a, a framework for managing, not just doing improvement. Well, is, is there is there anything that's unique
0: about Implementing these type of changes within uh, a healthcare environment, and I got to tell you up front, uh, my wife has been a nurse for a long time. She's been, you know, she's been a floor nurse. She's been a a home healthcare. Uh, She's uh, now a hospice nurse, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I know from her. I mean, I hear her come home at sometimes different agencies she's worked for, and not good words about you know the quality. Most of these guys have some sort of quality manager or quality quality person, and it seems to me like this seems like a, a more than unusually rough environment to try to to make changes in in quality using the methodologies that we were familiar with. i mean, is is that your yeah. is that your understanding?
1: Um, yeah, and I don't mean to paint too broad of a brush, but healthcare has is traditionally focused on what you might call the technical aspects of work, the clinical elements, you know your physician training, your nurse training. Um, the problems with quality and patient safety in healthcare um, are, are more often due to problems on the process and system side of things, and that, I think that's where healthcare has just traditionally underinvested in terms of time and resources. You know, a, a very non-lean factory will still have industrial engineers and process engineers, and people are working on the process. It may be built off of very non-lean assumptions, if you will. Um, hospitals. Um, just have a lot of, you know, traditionally have had a lot of very talented, hardworking, caring people all trying their best. And, and I think, you know, quality professionals would realize um, that, that that just, that doesn't work. So when, you know, healthcare professionals get frustrated when they're lectured to do better without being given the time or the methodology or the leadership um, to try to do so. And, you know, I think that's what we're trying to address with Lean. That's what we're trying to do, what um, Greg and I are working on together uh, with our company Kinexis, trying to help bring um, tools and, and coaching and methods to, you know, not have this just be, you know, God forbid any sort of slogans. Again, that's something Dr. Deming uh, right. would have told us not to do. Not just to have the CEO screaming, "We need zero infections." You know, we need to have a method and we need to have a process for getting there.
0: Now, you know, um, in our previous segment, Ryan talked about, uh, um, you know, ten thousand uh, deaths uh, uh, over the past ten years attributable to to. Uh, Prescription judge, and I'm going to assume that these are probably. I mean, without looking into it, I'm going to make an assumption here based on a bit of experience that some of these are due, doing uh, due to probably improper administration of drugs, uh, the wrong patient getting the wrong drug, that kind of stuff. When right. when you're working in a hospital environment, do do these methodologies like like lean and so forth r- help address those types of issues that directly affect? patient care
1: uh, absolutely and if you look at you know, instances for example where um, patients in the hospital are giving the wrong medication or the wrong dosage um, this this can certainly um, be harmful or fatal if you look at for example on the um, actor Dennis Quaid his twins were given an adult dose of a blood thinner um, his, his kids were in the neonatal ICU and what happens is you have just a chain of a progression of errors um, from the pharmacy and, and the check and the double-check didn't happen or didn't work properly. Medications got delivered. Now you've got nurses that are often being put under the gun for saying, well, why didn't you double-check the medication? Well, the adult dose was never supposed to have been there because it was a neonatal you know, right, ICU. Right. And multiple nurses across the span of 24 hours all administered Um, that same dose, um, the wrong dose, and and Quaid's twins um, thankfully survived. There have been other cases um, where where children have have died because of this, and um, a lot of it comes down uh, to process. Um, If you look at the organization of a pharmacy, a lot of times when we start teaching about error-proofing in systems, and instead of just saying to everybody, be careful, um, they start looking and say, well, maybe we shouldn't alphabetize our drugs because that really increases the risk of grabbing the wrong dose of the wrong medication. Let's let's put things in a more random order. I saw people do this in uh, factory stock rooms 10 years ago to help prevent grabbing the wrong part
0: of it. So let me understand the logic of that. I've never heard of that. So the idea was that if they're alphabetical, you might accidentally grab the one beside... Or you know, in front of or behind, rather than if it, if they were random. You, if you're looking for something that starts with an A and it's surrounded by a C and a Z, you're probably more likely to pick the right one. Is that the the idea? Right,
1: and and that would be an aspect of it. And then I mean. It, you know, you see cases where, um, you know, pills have fallen into the wrong bin. So you might be grabbing from the right bin sure. and kind of doing a check-in. You know, this is a human factors issue. When you're not expecting to find a mistake, our brain plays tricks on us. So you may be looking at the med and expecting it to say 5 milligrams when it really says 2 milligrams. Right. And so just trying to help uh, establish the the process in a way that uh, makes it harder for errors to occur. In and, and healthcare it's, uh, has relied far too long on, on asking highly trained people to just be perfectly careful. Perfect. And the modern patient safety movement, and I think this is where it lines up very well with lean thinking, teaches the simple, I, I think, obvious point that, look, we're human. Regardless of how much education we have, uh, we, we make mistakes. We get tired. Um, it might be dark. There might be other human factors involved. We need to have good system design um, to help prevent those errors. Gosh. Okay. If, if, if any
0: industry... Uh, really needs to get past the slogan phase of lean, root cause analysis, um, um, all those other things. Error proofing. Error-proof, yeah.
1: You know, get past and, the slogans and, get and down the, to it. Yeah, and really apply it would be the the healthcare industry. Right. Right, and tying it back to your first story, um, I, I don't recall the government ever coming in with guns drawn. Uh, to take action against a hospital that was harming patients I mean, <laughs> well, you, you don't may, have raw milk there. <laughs> out, you may have a hospital get shut down. Um, yeah. but when you look at the numbers and, and often these are unknowable numbers, but they're on the scale of one hundred to two hundred thousand people dying in the United States due to preventable medical errors in hospitals, um, preventable hospital acquired infections um, this is this is the scale of this problem really is. Um, Huge, really a really big problem. Well, and, and
0: actually, actually leads me to my to, to my last question uh, before we let you go. Um, so, I, I don't know. You know, what's been happening in the last fifteen years? I mean, have we have we gotten have we gotten better? Do you do you think healthcare has improved or is it status quo? W- which way are we moving? It
1: it depends. I mean, right now there are such pockets of excellence within healthcare. It becomes really hard to generalize. Uh, you know, some of these estimates um, in terms of number of people who were harmed and killed in healthcare, were published in 1999 by the Institute of Medicine. They took very conservative um, estimates and very conservative extrapolations. Um, Health Affairs published an article a couple of months ago um, that indicated new data is showing that that number may have been underestimated by a factor of two or three. Oops. Um, so a lot of people are arguing that on the whole, things are not getting better. Now, the good news part of the story is if you look at hospitals like ThetaCare and Virginia Mason, um, Allegheny Medical Center in Pittsburgh, they've done amazing things in terms of um, reducing mortality after cardiac surgery. Um, Reducing, uh, in in Allegheny Medical Center in Pittsburgh, they reduced central line bloodstream infections by 95% using lean methods, and they, they cut mortality... Um, 100% because that, that is a very um, severe type of infection. Um, you, you have hospitals uh, doing just great work, um, but I think the the question a lot of us in the quality and, and lean and patient safety movements ask, you know, why isn't this spreading uh, more quickly? There, there are, you know, this is not anecdotal data. This is peer-reviewed, medical journal published, um, really hard uh, proven data as much as anything you're ever going to find um, in the lean improvement world. And... It's, it's just kind of a historical pattern. Uh, people in healthcare will say a new proven best practice traditionally takes about 20 years uh, to become accepted throughout the industry, and that, that's a trend and a pattern that goes back a um, hundred years. So. Okay.
0: Well, Mark, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us sure. and sharing all that information. Uh, again, this is uh, this has been uh, Mark Graven uh, with us via Skype. Mark is the author of the shingle Prize-winning book. Lean hospitals. Uh, well, once again, thank you for joining us, uh, for another Friday and, uh, with my, uh, my buddy here, Ryan Day, while Mike is on uh, vacation. Thanks for joining us for Quality Digest Live and we will come back to you next Friday, same time. That's 11, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific for another great show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening.
1: This has been the Lean Blog Podcast for lean news and commentary updated daily visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.